Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Good morning, church. Man, thank you. Uh, it is it is good to be in the house. First services, earlier services, I barely got good morning. So I'm going to try that one more time. Uh, good morning. Very good. So good to see you guys this morning. Um, there are, we have people all over the world right now. We have our, our pastor, Matt, and Pastor Marty are over in Israel with a group over there, uh, having a great time there. Um, we have a group in Kenya right now with Pastor Brian uh, doing things right there. We have pastors on the beach right now. We have people at the mountains. We have people all over the world uh, this week. Um, you didn't find this humorous as I wanted it to be. Um, but uh, you, we have people everywhere, but you guys made it your decision to be here this morning. And I appreciate the opportunity uh, to get to worship with you this morning and to get to spend some time with you this morning in the Word. Uh, I need to let you know we got a lot to cover. And so I'm going to tell you this, buckle up, let's go, because we're going to spend some time in this this morning. got a lot of Scripture to cover. Uh, but over the past um, several months, I felt like this message has kind of been developing and kind of been preparing my heart to be able to, to, to give it to you guys this morning. Um, back in January even, I felt like this was something that I was supposed to be uh, kind of sharing, working on, and, and I didn't even know then I was going to be preaching today. About three or four weeks ago, uh, Pastor Matt came to me and he said, hey, I, I, do you mind preaching while I'm gone? I was like, absolutely, man, I'd love to preach. I'd love to get the chance to, to get on the stage and do that. And so I knew at that point in time that, hey, I felt like God was already kind of preparing something prior to this. And to the point that even last, uh, not this past weekend, the weekend prior, we had our Disciple Now weekend. And man, we had 32 kids give their life to Jesus. I mean, which is amazing. Um, Last week alone, we saw 15 of those uh, follow through with believers' baptism. We had so many different decisions that were made throughout that week. We had over 300 students on this campus worshiping like never before. It was an amazing weekend. We had people that were serving. We had college students giving up their time and serving. We had adults that were decorating and serving. And so the church came together and we saw some amazing things. But even when we went into going into D-Now, uh, that weekend, it was already laid on my heart kind of this direction where we were going to go because uh, if you look at the back of the Disciple Now shirt, uh, there's, there's something written on the back of the, the D Now shirt and it says, Jesus, no other name. Now, I need you to understand that was not the, really the focus of the weekend, but I felt like that was what we were supposed to put on the shirt. That's what I felt like we were supposed to do because God had been laying that on my heart for quite some time to speak into that. Um, and so our, our weekend was actually kind of focused around this, this um, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12 verse that talked about being restored. And that was kind of our key verse and key focus of what it meant to truly be restored and to be brought back to where God had wanted us to be. But I felt like we were supposed to put that on the back of the shirt. Um, and so this morning, as I, as I come to you, just kind of wanting to share and challenge you, uh, I've come with the understanding that God has finally given me the opportunity to preach what he gave me back in January to talk to you guys about. And it's this understanding that I entitled No Other Name. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the name. It also was brought to my attention just a few minutes ago that uh, in the Bible app, it's the verse of the day is the verse that I'm using today. So I'm like, here we go, Lord, this is good stuff. Uh, let's keep going. I'm not saying it was prophetic. I'm just saying it happened, okay, randomly, uh, but it happened. But I will tell you this, what I've learned over time is that names are important. They are extremely important. When I was uh, being raised up, my, my, my parents would always tell me when I go out, hey, don't forget, 
who you represent, right? Some of you guys can, can relate with that. You remember your parents looking at you and telling you, hey, you know who you represent, right? I remember uh, being in small rural South Georgia. Um, when I got in trouble, people would go, what's your daddy's name? And I'd be like, Larry Paul. Oh, you Larry's boy. I'm like, yes, sir, I am. They, they, they knew right away who I was because of my dad. The same thing with my grandfather. Um, when we would go to town and we would, uh, you know, walk up to town and we would go to the, get candy and all kind of stuff. They would ask me, say, you Fred's grandson? I'm like, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know Fred. And it's like everybody knew that the name. They knew those names. So I knew that when I stepped out and when I went places um, that I was representing somebody. I was representing a, a name that was given to me. And my parents understood that I was supposed to carry that name very well. At the same time in the world we live in, we market names. We market things that we understand that when that name is mentioned, we understand the product that's coming from it. For example, if I were to say Starbucks to you, most of us in this room all of a sudden recognize that that is a place where you receive coffee. It's a drink, right? Some of you guys get those refreshers and whatever that stuff is, but you should get coffee. That's what it's made for. It's coffee, right? Starbucks makes coffee. At the same time, you can go in there early in the morning. They've got a little glass little area over there with some egg white little muffin type thing. You can come back at four o'clock in the afternoon. The egg white muffin's still sitting there kind of thing because that's not what they're known for. They're known for the coffee, right? You know that when you go to Starbucks, you're expecting coffee. When you go to Target, you, you, you automatically think Target, the little red ball, right? You think that red ball or that, that little like Target thing, or you think of the dog with the Target on its eye. You think of that. You also think of like, it's kind of more like what I always was told, like an up-class Walmart, okay? It's kind of what you think, you know? At the same time, I think Hey, I, when I think of Walmart, I think of crazy people. I just do. Um, I, think of, I think of, I mean, don't get me wrong. When I, I love Walmart. I go to Walmart. I love it. I, I get a lot of stuff from Walmart. I think it's a cool place. Uh, they're always knocking their prices back, right? So I was like, always knocking that price back. You know that about Walmart, right? That's what they are. But what I've also learned is that they've marketed this ability that you are allowed to be crazy and go in Walmart. You're allowed to dress as crazy as you want. You wouldn't even go in the dollar store looking sometimes like that. You wouldn't go in other places. You wouldn't walk out of your bedroom, but you'll walk into Walmart looking like that. And they, they've even created a website about it, like people of Walmart, right? Like if you make the people of Walmart, you're like a celebrity, right? That's like who you are in the Walmart world. Uh, but you know about Walmart when you think of Kroger. For me, when I think of Kroger, I don't just think of groceries. I think of those as points, right? That Kroger earns me some fuel points, right? Especially right now with the fuel point, fuel prices kind of being up. I'm like, I, those are like, like, magic. They're holy to us. Those points are. So it's like when you get points, like nobody better touch my points, right? Like for example, my mother-in-law, um, she doesn't have a Kroger anywhere close to her. She lives in South Georgia. She doesn't have a Kroger, but she went to, I think, Macon or somewhere and she, she found a Kroger. And my wife had told her, hey, if you put our number in, it'll save you three cent, right? It'll save you three cent. Well, she calls back. She goes, did you know I just saved 30 cent? And I was like, you did what? I was like, you used the whole thing? And she drives like a little car that only takes like, you know, 10 gallons or something. I'm like, did my truck, oh my gosh. And like, like that thing's like, it's holy to us, those, those points, like you understand. My kids know to this day, you can ask my kids, they do not use my points. I'm saying, when you buy your groceries, then you can use your own points. But when I buy groceries, I use my points, right? Like don't steal my points, they're important to me. We know that Kroger brings points. Publix, we think about Publix, we think of this. We think of, hey, if I buy five things, I may get five things free. I don't really need 10 ketchups, but I'm gonna do it. So so I can get the five free, right? Uh, we're going to do those kind of things. When I think of Moe's, we feel welcomed into Moe's when we walk in, where we're not as welcome later in the afternoon, but we are welcome to that moment, right? We feel really welcome when we walk into Moe's. We expect something great. When we walk into Chick-fil-A, we think of a holy chicken, right? 
Like, let me tell you something. When, when Carrie Underwood said there's something in the water, I'm saying there's something in the batter, man, at Chick-fil-A. You know, there's good stuff in that batter. When they batter that chicken up and they fry that thing for you, man, there is, there is just something about a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. It is that we, we call it Christian chicken. And now every one of us want it today and we can't have it because it's Sunday, right? We're like, Can I, come on, Chick-fil-A, could you just skin, send this one time and let me get a chicken sandwich today? I need that, right? But we're like, we automatically re, re, uh, recognize chicken sandwich with Chick-fil-A, but yet their marketing tool is a cow, right? We see the cow, you should be thinking burger, but you're not. You're thinking chicken when you see those cows. Why? Because Chick-fil-A, you understand when you hear the name, you know what they represent. All these places are used in a way that you know what they sell, you know what they stand for, you know who they are. And as we step into scripture, you're going to see in the book of Acts, we're going to spend some time in the book of Acts this morning, but we're also going to spend a whole lot of time in the book of Colossians. So you're going to, like I said, get buckled up, ready to go, because we're going to dig into some scripture this morning. But in Acts chapter 4 and verse 7, it says this, you've got Peter and John. They're, they're, they're doing ministry. They're having opportunities to speak the name. And this is what this is. They're brought before them. It says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 7, and we're going to get to where it comes from prior to that. But it says, they had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question. It says, by what power and what name do you do this? Now you may be going, what are they doing? What is it that they're doing? I'm glad you asked that because we're going to look back at that in Acts chapter 3. But the first thing they asked was, what, they wanted to know what was the name. People recognized right away when they saw Peter and John. They're like, wait, something's happening. What power and what name are you doing this stuff in? So we look back in Acts chapter 3 and we want to go, what are they doing? What is it that they're being brought before in order to look at that? So as we look back at Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it says, Peter and John, they were going into the temple. They were going at at the time of prayer, which was at 3 o'clock. I love that it tells me that because I needed to know that it was 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg for those uh, going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, hey, let me get your attention. Look at us. Look at us. He said, so the man, well, gave his intentions to them, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. See, church was happening, man. Things were going on. People were were, were worshiping. They were going to pray. And Peter and John come up to a person who is crippled and he's asking for something monetarily. He said, hey, hey, do you mind giving me some money? And Peter and John look at him and go, hey, wait, wait, let, let me have your attention. And he is expecting at this point in time them to give him money. But he looks at them and he says, I, I ain't got no money. But what I do have will change your life. And his name is Jesus. And it says at that point in time, a miracle happened. Something radical happened. And then you jump back to 4 and verse 7. And that's where they're at. They just had a miracle happen. Church was happening. Things were happening. And Peter and John are like, hey, this man, you need Jesus. I'm going to give you Jesus. Get up and walk. People start seeing that happen. And the church people, the Sanhedrins, they start looking and going, hey, what's going on? That guy always sits out there and begs for money. You didn't give him money, but now he can walk. What is going on? And he says, by what power and what name did you do that? By what power and what name did you make that man walk? How easily would it have been at that point in time for Peter to look at him and go, oh, yeah, it was, it was us, man. We just looked at him and said, hey, come on, let's go. 
How easy would it have been for them to take the credit? How easy would it have been for them to look at them and go, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a good time, man. We were preaching, having a good time. Everything was going great. And this man got healed, right? Miraculously healed. But they don't say that. This is what they say in verses 8 through 12. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called account today on an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this name, that this man stands before you healed Jesus is a stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you, we, must be saved. He says, they all look at them and they're like, hey, what's the name? Where's the power come from? He says, it's Jesus. Remember that guy you put on a cross? Remember that guy that you put on a cross and you crucified, but God brought him back to life, that Jesus. Not the Jesus that's living downtown over here. Not the Jesus that's over there doing its thing. Not this Jesus. No, the Jesus you put on a cross. Remember that one, the Messiah that, that, that we proclaimed then? We proclaim him now. And we tell you right now, that Jesus that you rejected, he's the one that healed that man. He's the one that brings salvation. He's the one that no one else can ever get to Jesus except through him. No other name. And then you go into Acts chapter four and verse 13. He says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note to these men had been with Jesus. See, I want you to understand they were ordinary. They weren't any different than you and I. Actually, they were unschooled and most of us are pretty educated in this place. They weren't supernatural. They had just been with Jesus and they were willing to proclaim the name of Jesus and they believed it. We just sang a song and we repeated that over and over. We believe it, we believe it, we believe it, we believe it. But I'm not sure that we believe it. There's a lot of times even in my own life that I feel like there's times that I question, do I really believe that God is the way maker? Do I really believe that God is a miracle maker? That he's a miracle worker? Do I really believe that he's a promise keeper? Do I really believe that in everything that I say in my life? Because sometimes my life doesn't reflect that. Because if I truly believed that I would be like these guys and people would not see me, but they would see that I have been with Jesus and they would see that when I speak and when I talk, that it is not about me, but it's about the name of Jesus because there is no other name. That I truly believe that God still does those miracles. I truly believe that God still takes people from death to life. And it's called Salvation. I believe that it's under no other name. And I truly believe that. But when people see me, can they look at me and go, that guy's been with Jesus. It ain't him, it's Jesus. So I got a couple of questions for you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, hey, okay, I get it. You're telling me there's no other name. I understand that. I believe that even. I believe there's no other name. Then I ask you this question. If you truly believe it, is Jesus enough for you then? 
Is Jesus enough for you? Now let's go, let's go dig into Colossians for a second here. I need to you know, understand in the book of Colossians, this is Paul writing to the church of Colossia. And as you turn there, as you look there with us in Colossians chapter one, you're gonna see that he automatically starts talking directly to the church. What's going on in the life of the church right now is there's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of, of unrest. There's a lot of difficulty happening in the culture in which they're at. People are being persecuted. People are being killed. People are being hunted. Things are happening that you and I probably don't fully experience right now. So he's trying to come alongside them and say these, these things that, hey, I need you to understand. Jesus is enough. He's got you. He's going to carry you through this. You just don't forget about that, what Paul's saying here. And he says in verses 15 to 16, he says, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See, I need you to understand something this morning. You matter because God created you. You matter because God created you. In him, all things were created. You are designed to be in a relationship with Jesus. You were created to be in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the originator of all things. And so it is in him and through him and for him that we are made worthy to carry the name, to proclaim the name. It is not through me. It is not through what I do. So therefore, I am not enough, but he is enough. He is enough. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27, it says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now catch this, it is Christ in you that makes you enough. It is Christ in you. It is not, and you may have to correct this in your notes, it's corrected on the screen, but you may have to correct this in your notes. It is not Christ and me. Scripture is very clear to say it is Christ in you that brings the hope of glory. It is his name that brings salvation. It is his name above everything else. He is enough even without us. It is not Christ and me. A lot of us are really good with the and. Peter and John, how quickly it could have been to say, by what power and what name? Well, it was Jesus and me. I mean, we said it, right? No, no, no. It is Christ in you that brings salvation, that brings hope, that brings the hope of glory. Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham says this. He said this, he said, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process by where you grow to be more and more like Christ. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. In Colossians chapter two, verses nine through 10, it says, for in Christ, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in the bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. See, what I need you to understand, that it is in Christ that I get the opportunity and the ability to tap into the fullness of God. It is in Christ that I get to find my identity and my worth. That I get to tap into the fullness of God and that I, get to, that I get to be a part of his plan. That I get to have everything that I ever need. See, I need to understand it says for in Christ, we have everything we need. I have access 
to Jesus. But is he enough for you? Is he enough? Colossians chapter two and verse 12, we keep going. Come on with me, let's go. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. We go over to Romans chapter eight and verse 11, which helps kind of reiterate this verse here. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to you to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. I see, I need you to understand something. You need Christ. Because sin made us dead, but Christ made us alive. Christ is the one that makes us alive. It is his name. See, a lot of us are really good at doing church. We're really good Christians if we come on Sunday and Wednesday, right? We do really, really good. And people sometimes will even say you're religious, right? Can I tell you something? Religion is doing. Religion is doing. But the gospel is living in Christ. See, I'm not just doing this relationship. I'm living in this relationship. My desire is not just to do, not just to show up, but to live it. I wanna carry the gospel truth. I wanna carry this gospel to a lost and dying world. I want them to understand that Christ has taken me from death to life, that my sins have put me in death, but my Christ, my King, my Savior, my Jesus has made me alive. The reason I get passionate, the reason I get excited, the reason I talk so fast, people tell me all the time, like, you, you talk so fast when you go on the stage. I'm like, yes, I do. I really do. I know I am a South Georgia boy and I should be talking really slow and I probably should have a little bit of an accent, but God, for some reason, took that away from me and I think it came into my passion. When I get passionate, I, I'm, I, man, I just get energized and I just talk and I got a lot to say, but I, I just talk, right? I just go at it because I'm passionate. When we're passionate about something. We can't hold it back because I wanna live in that passion. I wanna live in that moment. I wanna live in what God has done in Colossians 2 and verse 13. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all our sins. See, I am made alive in Jesus. Stop acting like dead people, church. We have a name and it's Jesus that brings power and victory over everything. So let's act and let's live as so though we're alive, passionate about what we do. So is Jesus enough for you? He's enough to get you through your anxieties. He's enough to get you through your storms. He's enough to get you through your, your stresses. He's enough to fix your marriage. He's enough to get you through that day at work. He's enough. So let's live like it. I'm not saying we're not still gonna deal with those things because we are, we live in a broken world. But let's proclaim that name. And the second thing I ask you is this, are you, are you connected with Jesus? Okay, you may get it. For some of us who sit in this room, like you've been telling me, Jesus is enough, man, I know it. He's enough for me, I, I try to live by that. But I ask you, if he's truly enough, then are you truly connected to Jesus? Are you truly connected to him? In your life, in Colossians chapter three, verses one through four, it says this, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts. Okay, you're a believer, you get it. Since then 
You have been raised with Christ. You've given your life to Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear in him in glory. See, it tells us that when we are raised in Christ, we are to set our hearts on the things above. In Proverbs, it tells us that our heart is the wellspring of life. It is the thing that brings life to us. Or your heart is your heart set to be connected with Jesus, understands that our hearts are set on him, that our minds are set on him, our passions are set on him, that the the new life of Christ is hidden inside of me, and I cannot be disconnected from that. He is the source of my power of life. For example, I got a lamp on the stage with me here, okay? This lamp has a lamp stand. It's got a bulb in it. When I plug this lamp in, I'm plugging it into a power source, right? I plug it in to this power source here. And as soon as I turn it on, well, not that one. So this worked earlier. And so when I, when I plug, let's try this one, okay? So when I, when I plug it in to the power source, here we go, to this one, and I turn it on, and um, <laughs> it doesn't work. This is a really good real illustration, I think. So, oh, wait, wait. But when I take it out of the worldly sources sometimes in life, and I go, God, I've been trying so hard to plug it into the worldly sources. And the guy says, no, 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 let me be the power source. He says, you don't, you don't need that. You don't need the outlets. You don't need to, let, let, let me just, let me be the one that holds you and gives you the source of power. Be connected with me, not connected with everything else that we think is going to get us that power and get us that source and get us that. But instead, be connected with me. Allow me to be the source of your power. Allow me to be the source of your victory. Allow my name to be the thing that you proclaim. Let me be the one that brings you life and allows you to light up this world. Allow me, allow my name to be known in Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 17. It says this, therefore it's God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and as you admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, guys, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Give me thanks to the Father. All in the name of Jesus. Let him be our source. A lot of times we like to plug into a lot of other things. We like to think that he's our source or that we can make our own sources. And let me tell you something. I don't think there's anything wrong with being successful. I don't think there's anything wrong with having talents. But the reality is if we're connected so much into our success and so much into our talents that we're not proclaiming the name, then we've got a couple of things backwards here. I think God gives us talents. 
I think God gifts us with success. I think God gifts us with things that we're supposed to be good at. But I think the reality is that many of us need to understand that our power needs to come from him and he's the one that led us to be successful. That he's the one that's gifted us with the talents so that we can carry his name. He's the one that put us out of area of influence on people so that we can influence them and tell them who Jesus is. See, when we stop plugging into the world and we start connecting with the things of Christ, all of a sudden our life is completely flipped upside down because no longer am I chasing after the money that I thought I needed. Instead, I'm chasing after the name that he brings. The beggar was chasing after the money that he thought was going to help him, but it was the name of Jesus that changed his life. And we can take the name of Jesus and God can still be successful in our lives and help us to have money that we can still impact his kingdom. Like I said, don't hear me wrong. Don't hear me saying that you shouldn't be. No, I pray you're successful because I believe that when God gives us a talent, we better use it to our best ability to bring glory to his name. I believe if God has given us influence, if we're the boss of a company, we own a company, we need to use that influence for his name's sake. I think it's amazing to be in that area and in those platforms. But we need to stay connected with God and let him be the power source. Let him be the one that says, hey, I got you all in the name of Jesus. I do this. No matter what happens, because I need you to understand it's not about what you do, it's about why you do what you do. It's about why you do what you do. Is it for the name of Jesus? Is it through him? Or is it for you? So the question is, are you connected with Jesus? And the last question is this. You're like, hey, uh, I got this. I'm connected. I spend time in the word. I feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. I truly believe Jesus is enough. Then let me ask you this. Is, is your message of Jesus clear then to this world? Is it clear? Because we live in a world that, that's, that's got a lot of distractions. And let me tell you something. I want to be a, God, a part of God's story. I really do. I wake up every morning and I'm like, God, just, just let me be a part of your story. Because I know that if it's about me, that it's going to end badly. If the story is built around me, I'm going to probably fail. I want to be a part of a victorious story that I've already read about and I already know that there's victory in the end. I want to be a part of God's story. I want to be a part of that. And I want not only that, but I want to stand firm on the truth of the gospel. And I want to proclaim the name of Jesus. I want it to be clear because I live in a world already that has enough distractions. I live in a world already that teaches me to, they say, you're just supposed to tolerate things, right? That's what they try to teach us is just tolerate it, right? Well, when I was a kid, tolerating meant literally this. I don't like your haircut, but I'm just going to tolerate it. I don't like the way you smell, but I'll just tolerate it, right? I'll just stay away from it. I'll tolerate it. That's what it meant when I was a kid. But now there's a new definition today of what it means to tolerate things. And it's this. The new definition is basically that all beliefs, all values, all lifestyles are equal. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you live. As long as you don't hurt anyone. You can do whatever you want. Don't judge me and I won't judge you. There's no truth anyways. You can tell me what, what's right or wrong. I'll make the determination. Therefore, I can do whatever I want. And let's just tolerate what everybody else believes or their lifestyles that everyone has because they're all absolutely equal anyway. So let's just tolerate it. 
Do you know there's a study that came from Notre Dame that shows that nearly two out of every three Christians under the age of 35 believe that non-Christians go to heaven because we're just tolerating it. God does not call us to be tolerant. God calls us to truth and to make it clear. To make it clear that when it says in John chapter 14 and verse six, that I am the way, the truth and life, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's clear. Jesus is the only way. He is the only name. There is no other name. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. John chapter eight and verse 31 through 32, it says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It will set you free from all the false beliefs, all the things that are not honoring God and it will set you on a path of following a name that will not let you down. In John 17 and verse 17, it says, your word is truth. In Isaiah 40 and verse eight, it says, the grass, wizard, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. My question again is, is your message of Jesus clear? These guys, their message of Jesus was clear. They said, there's no other name by which salvation can come. Hey, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The students have probably heard me say this a ton of times. But how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about Jesus? Seriously, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about Jesus? We go throughout our day every day knowing that we have a message that can miraculously change people's lives. We know that we have the ability to carry a name that can miraculously take people from what they think they need and give them what we know that, that God wants them to have. And that's a relationship where they were created to be in. But we choose not to say things to people sometimes. We choose not to make that message clear. And I ask you, how much do you have to hate somebody? Not to tell them about Jesus, knowing it can change their lives. In Acts chapter four, verses 18 through 20, we see it start to, to finish out here. And it says, they called them in again and com commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But look at the response. Peter and John replied, it says, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Basically, they looked at these guys and they're like, hey, we can't be quiet. And we're not gonna be quiet because there is no other name by which salvation is found and his name is Jesus. And I'm gonna make that message real clear is what he says. He says, you be the judge, but I'm not listening to you. I'm listening to God. God has told me to go and make disciples. God has told me to go and share the gospel. God has told me to go and proclaim his name. God has told me that I was made for a relationship with him. God has told me that I, I'm not the plan B. I'm plan A when it comes to sharing the gospel in this world. It wasn't like it messed up. He's like, no, no, I planned from the beginning for you to be the one that carries the message to lost and dying. I just provided the way. They responded literally with this whole understanding of saying, I can't be quiet. I am marked by the cross and I am gonna make sure everybody knows it. I cannot help but talk about Jesus. My conviction is that I have Jesus and God is faithful and therefore I'm going to proclaim this name. So my question to you is this, is the message clear?
Hey, when you, when you go to lunch today, that waitress comes up. She's working hard. She's working for a tip. First of all, you need to tip her. Don't be that person. Don't be that Christian that's like, oh, I'm only giving 10% to Jesus, so I'm only going to give you five. Don't be, don't be that person. But what if today at the same time as you're doing that, you looked at them and you just looked at your waitress and said, hey, can I pray for you? Is there something I can pray for you? Hey, we're going to say our blessing. You mind, you mind, you want to pray with us? I think you'll be surprised that sometimes even though they're looking for that tip, that some of the greatest things we do is give them Jesus. Not in place of the tip. We can still give them Jesus. Or that person that's at the gas station today, this, you can tell they're having a bad day. You just look across and maybe you go, hey, sir, is there, there's something I can pray for you about today? I'd love to pray for you. They may tell you no, that's okay. They're not looking for that. The beggar wasn't. But what he got changed his life. What he got radically changed his life. And Peter John said, I'm not going to be quiet about it. I don't care what anybody tells me to do. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care how hard it is. I can't be quiet about the name of Jesus. In Lamentations 3 and verse 19 through 23, and this is where I'm going to land it. It says this, I remember my afflictions and wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yes, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. And hey, do you believe that? Do you truly believe that? Do you truly believe that he is the way maker? He is the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. He's the source of our power. Do you truly believe that? Because I believe there's no other name but the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you give us the opportunity just to worship you today. That you give us the opportunity to proclaim your name, to sing of your praises. But God, I pray that right now for maybe the person in the room that they're just kind of struggling, they're dealing with this and maybe they're not living a life that truly proclaims that you're enough and, and today's the day they just need to surrender. I pray that during this time that, God, that you would move in their lives. God, for those of us in this room that, man, we, we, we know. But God, we've been trying to find our power and our source of life and so many other things and it's constantly letting us down and it's leading to so many other issues. God, today, may we just connect with you. Stop chasing the things of the world, but chasing you. And may we proclaim your name like never before. God, I pray for revival to happen in our community. In the restaurants, on the ball fields, in the schools, in every place that we step, may your name be proclaimed because there's no other name by which salvation is given. And God, we want people to know you. 
So I just pray for that now, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burn Hickory app.